Lindsay Rowland. We have our intermittent highlight of veteran nonprofit series. Sometimes it's nice to take a break from advocacy cases and highlight VSOs that are out there killing it every day supporting our veterans. Today we have Crystal Laramore. She is the founder and executive director for Wheelchairs for Warriors. We are excited to learn all about her nonprofit and the good work she is doing for veterans. Hi, hi, Crystal. Hi, how are you doing? You were going to say hi, Laramore, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was like, uh, we were, so just for our viewers know, like, so because I'm from the North, apparently I can't pronounce it, which is sort of probably true. And I was like, Laramore, at least I tried though, right? Laramore. I was going to say Laura. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anything. Doesn't matter. I've been called worse. <laughs> oh sorry um but anyways let's start out with can you tell us a little bit about yourself but yeah I'm blushing um can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then work into like where your nonprofit? oh gosh a little bit about myself that's great oh where you didn't you surprised me with that question I'm always just talking about our warriors and wheelchairs for warriors so I'm born and raised and bred in Texas I've been here all my life I'd love to travel I've traveled the world um I come from a family of military patriots. Almost everybody in my family served. I think Alaramore has been in every single war or conflict that we've had. My uncle is a, retired as a Fulbright colonel. He was in the Pentagon. He was at NORAD. He was, you know, knee deep in desert storm. My dad was 101st airborne. He just passed away a year ago, almost to the day. And, you know, it was the family's plan for me to go into the Navy. And I did all the testing. I was going to officer candidate school. The future was mapped out for me. And I was like, I don't, I don't really think the military's personality and my personality are going to work too well together. I thought first time somebody screams in my face, I might hit them. And then what's going to happen? And my dad was like, he just couldn't believe it that at the last minute, I mean, literally the last minute I chickened out and said, I can't do it. So the opportunity came for me to go to Baghdad and serve. And I thought, you know, I kind of regretted not serving my country. Not, I didn't regret not, not joining. Right. Cause that was the right path for me, but I did regret the whole, I didn't serve my country. And so Baghdad was an opportunity for me to do that. Civilians have no business in a war zone, just FYI. My uncle said, you're not properly trained. You may not go there. And I went anyway, but he was right. I was not properly trained and no one should have let me in a war zone. It was crazy. The time of my life, like you and I were talking about the other day, time of my life, got great stories to tell. I get on the, I get on the phone with people like you and it's a big, it's a big brotherhood and sisterhood of people who have served. And we have lots of stories that we can tell and we speak the same language and it's all pretty cool, but I was lucky to have survived it. No business in a war zone. What were you doing and there when I exactly? Came back, say it again. What, what were you doing there exactly? Like, what was your job? I know, right? That's what a lot of people want to know. I mean, I, I totally, you, you hadn't had a job. So like what, and did you get, did you get like the whole, get, like the, the whole combat gear get up? Like, were you walking around with that? Oh, yeah, everything. I was sitting in my office one day and I looked around and I was like, Oh, this is a, I feel like I'm in a regular office. I've got my computer here. I have my stapler. I have my Kevlar helmet. I've got, 
I've got my staples. I've got my paper clips. I've got my atropine. I've got my, my Kevlar vest. Just your, there's a cot underneath here. There's some MREs underneath my desk. It seems normal. <laughs> Life seems normal. Like, oh, good Lord. What am I doing? <laughs> and you were there during the hot period. Like you were there right hot. before the surge. So yeah, not only hot. We were we were getting, you know, eight, nine, ten mortar rounds um a day sometimes. And my official title was I was a liaison officer and the State Department picked up my contract through KBR. Hmm. And it was kind of a deal like I had kind of made with KBR before I went over there. And so my boss was State Department and her name um, is Jill Copenhaver and we are still good friends today. And she and I are know that inside, deep inside here, we are Marines. <laughs> <laughs> Not Navy, Marines, right? <laughs> Not Navy, Marines. <laughs> yeah. Your true calling. <laughs> this is my calling. Yes, I know it. I know it. I was laughing at her one day. I said, I feel like I should be an honorary Marine. She goes, oh, no, I am a Marine. I mean, I just am. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to start saying that, too, and see how that works out. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my uncle, who's Army, and my dad, you know, but it is what it is. And you were Army? I was Army, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, Army. So when I came back, I wanted to continue my service, you know, for a couple of years, you know, this, when you come back for a little bit, you just don't want to talk to people. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Or you don't want to talk about it to anybody except for someone who was there with you. That's right. And I didn't want to talk. I didn't really want to talk. Right. And that's really strange for me because I'm a talker and I didn't really want to be around people. Loud noises were a problem. Sudden movements. <laughs> yeah and it was just all kind of crazy I remember I remember jumping out of my bed wondering where I would duck and cover when the garbage man came the first time when I was back at home and dumped the the dumpster and the big loud bang came I was almost like I had a heart attack you know and I think about all the veterans who have PTS and it's just like I can only imagine because I didn't do anything up close and personal with you know with you know hand-to-hand combat stuff so can only imagine I think just being in that environment though knowing that you're in a position where you can get blown up can just really wear on your nerves regardless of hand you know I wasn't in like combat per se like in the traditional sense but you it definitely wears on you long term you know my um best friend is a psychologist and I think God did that on purpose and she flew to Thailand and I flew to Thailand. I was in country six months and the um, ambassador said, you're going on vacation. You have to quit screaming at me. <laughs> you're, going on, you're going on vacation. <laughs> you may not scream at me. And so off on vacation, I went and I showed up at the Four Seasons in Thailand and had a whole day there by myself. And then I flew to Vietnam the next day and my girlfriend met me there and she was telling me, she said, your mind has to almost split in two. You're under the stress, but you don't know it or you would believe. If your mind accepted all the dangers, you would just leave. There's no way you would stay. Any normal person would just go, why am I here? You know? And it's just that one thing that people have that to serve. It's that extra thing, you know, not 
maybe not me, but certainly for our military to just sign up. People like you and the co-founder of Wheelchairs for Warriors, you know, Heidi Hansing, she signed. You signed on the dotted line and you don't know what life holds for you, but you accept whatever it is and off you go to war sometimes. So I wanted to continue the service when I came back and, but not straight away, you know, straight away, I just wanted some peace and quiet. And I worked with a lot of different organizations and just couldn't find the right fit. And Hattie had done the same thing. She had worked with a couple of different organizations, couldn't find the right fit. We both were at a point where we were heavily involved in politics. She was a politician and I was a political consultant. And we both had had our fill of politics and politicians. And so we were just sitting around commiserating about that. And I just looked at her and I said, let's just start our own nonprofit and we'll do it right. And we'll spend the money correctly and we'll do it the right way because we were good. I was good at raising money, you know, and she's a great public speaker and a a veteran. And so we thought, let's just put our talents to use for veterans, not politicians. And we didn't really know how to do it. We had no, we had no idea what we were doing, but we did it. I thought, and I love my Marines, you know that. Yes, yeah, so you are one. Because I am one. But I thought, if a Marine can run a nonprofit, I mean, surely I can run one, right? Surely. So, surely. <laughs> so, anyway, so we started, and we didn't know what we wanted to do. We had no idea what it was going to look like. We knew we could raise money and we were going to, we were thinking about donating to just veteran charities for women only. We thought about a bunch of different things. And I said, yeah, but a lot of the guys that I know in corporate American and business, they're, they're guys, you know, I mean, I'm sure they'll give to a, a charity only for women, but you would, you're narrowing down, you know, who's going to give. So we just talked about it a lot. And my boyfriend designs wheelchairs for workman's comp cases. That's what he does for a living. And I think you and I were talking about this. We would drag him from one event to another and he would say, hey, that guy had his legs blown off and he's in a wheelchair and that is not the right wheelchair for him. And I would say, I'm so sorry about that, but I understand why you see that, you know? And then he'd go, hey, that guy is a Medal of Honor recipient and he's in a bad wheelchair. It doesn't have any support. And I'd say, I know, I'm so sorry about that poor fella. I don't know how to fix it. And he would tap me on the shoulder and it was just like, there was just this gnat flying around me, buzzing around me for a year, complaining about our veterans' wheelchairs. And one complaint after another, always complaining. And I was at an event and, you know, he was a shiny new boyfriend at the time. And I was at an event and I was standing next to a veteran. He was in a wheelchair. I looked smoking hot that day. So I had someone take a picture and send it to Paul. And his response to me was, that is the wrong wheelchair. He's in the wrong wheelchair. It has no back support, no cushion support. Look at it. He's just sitting on the frame. Excuse me. Did you even see me in the photo? (laughs) You're like, I was, yeah, I was in there too. I was in there too. I feel like maybe my shoes might, I might've been in the wrong shoes. What about my shoes? I don't even understand what's happening right now. He meets me at the house and we're going to go out to dinner. And I literally was one of those. I pushed him against the wall and put my finger in his chest and said, Hey, I get it. Every veteran's wheelchair is crappy. I hear you loud and clear, but you've got to focus on me. I'm your girlfriend and I look super cute. And he goes, I know you did look super cute, but that's a problem in his wheelchair. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he went right back to the problem with the wheelchair and got, it was finally like, God, everything God had been telling you for a year, it all, it was like everything flooded to the front of my cerebral cortex. And I was like, oh, wheelchairs for warriors. And he said, what? Cause he went in on the planning with me and Heidi, you know, so he didn't know. And I said, wheelchairs for warriors. That's what we're going to do. And he said, we are, what are we doing? I said, the thing that you keep complaining about, we're going to fix it. And yeah. And there, and there you had your subject matter expert right there. Right. I mean, you're hired. I said, you're hired for free. I mean, you know, we're not going to pay you anything. <laughs> and he's still hired. around. Right. So he's still it obviously he's still taking all the abuse. <laughs> he takes it. We're like, Hey, you have to fly to because we're national, right? We decided that we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves or the donors, right? And so we're all over the nation. So anywhere a veteran is, they can call us and they can say, hey, I need you. And we will fly right there. We book Paul's flight or typically it's uh, me and Paul because I'll do all, all the video and he won't ever do any video or take any pictures he's an engineer it's everything is black and white you know and he's like well I don't like to do all that foo-foo stuff like a video it's not really foo-foo so we fly out to the veteran we do a um, seating clinic which is a very detailed we spend about three hours with the veteran on our first visit and sometimes longer and we measure them from the tip of their finger to their wrist, from the wrist to their elbow, from their elbow to their shoulder. We measure their head. We put them in a, it's called pressure mapping. And it's a flat rubber seat and they sit on it and it measures if they're leaning too far to the left or they're leaning too far to the right or back backwards too far. You know, I don't, those are, that's all his lane, but I think I picked up the gist of it. And then he's got a computer and a computer program and it tells him, you know, how he can make the seat to where the veteran can be, can sit level. And so these seat cushions can cost upwards of $600 or more. And they're like little rubber fingers in the seat and they're air. So it's like sleep, you know, like the air number or the air, air number bed or whatever that's called. And so they get their little seat cushions and they sit on it and they're amazed. And that's, huge for spinal injuries or or anything else because if you're just think if you're just sitting crooked all day long you know you start getting more problems than you started with and so he does a seating clinic and a, a lot of times the veterans will tell us that the VA's never even been to their house to do a seating clinic we had one veteran tell us that the VA asked him to measure himself I'm like oh understand how that's supposed to happen and then Paul designs the chair and then a company in America manufactures the chair. So we're American made. Yeah. Yes. American Love made. It. Love it. You're Love a patriot. It. So and that's right. And so they, they deliver the wheelchair to us and then we put it together and make sure that everything is correct. There's a few extra perks sometimes like, Hey, what color do you want your wheelchair? Like if they will powder coat it for us for free, what, what's your favorite color? And sometimes that's included and sometimes it's extra. And we've tapped into, interestingly enough, we have tapped into the adaptive sports vein, which is really cool. So, you know, we're not, you and I talked about this as well. We had a little chat before. So we're not the first line of defense. We're not 
you know, you don't come to us first, you go to the VA first. It is the VA's duty to provide you with a wheelchair. It's their duty. So if you don't have the right amount of disability, they may not give you everything that you need. You may only get one wheelchair. That's when you can call and reach out to us. We have two programs. One is injured in the line of duty. Injured in the line of duty, denied by the VA, you will get the red carpet treatment from us. Whatever you need, right? Not injured in the line of duty, then we have a program that we get donated chairs. So some people donate their, please don't call us and want to donate your chair. Our warehouse is full. We cannot take one more wheelchair. But people donate wheelchairs to us and they're motorized. You have to be close to, to drive it here and to get it to us. It's wicked expensive to mail, you know, to ship five, 600, 700 pound wheelchairs. If there's a shipping company out there listening who would like to join the mission, please call me. So, so we do have two programs and we will serve veterans not injured in the line of duty if we have the right equipment in the warehouse. All right. A couple of questions for you on that. Cause usually, as you know, nonprofits will start due to a lack of something else, you know, and either for the VA or for the veteran, that's kind of where they pick up at. So in what case would a veteran not have that is in a wheelchair or wheelchair bound would not have benefits to cover their wheelchair? So those are good questions. And we have an invitation from the VA to find out more about what their requirements are, right? So we don't really know, but you can't, we've had a few veterans just call us because it just takes so long with the VA and we're like, yeah, well, that's your burden. We're sorry. You have to be denied by the VA. The VA has to have said no. And I think that the VA says no or denies or doesn't move as fast as the veteran needs them to move. Sometimes it's a want. A lot of times it really is a need for a multiple Uh, for multiple reasons. One is it's human. It's ran by humans, right? So some humans might just be there for the paycheck. Some humans might really care about every single phone call that they get every single day. And you have to know that's got to be taxing to just, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need all day long, right? But it is what it is. And that's the job you signed up for. So if you're a nurse, don't matter how many people need their bedpan cleaned out that day, that's you signed up for that job, right? So I understand it. I understand it gets taxing. Some veterans can't even imagine that other veterans aren't taken care of because they are so well taken care of. And it's like, good for you. Man, you won the VA lottery, right? Your advocate is amazing. I mean, I actually get that. I actually get that a lot because I get really good medical care from the VA. So I I do understand that sort of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And some people just can't imagine, but the VA, the VA provides that. Well, the VA should provide it, right? Then you have veterans who they got a wheelchair three years ago. It was a hundred thousand dollar wheelchair. It stands them up. It lays them flat. It's a transformer. They're wicked expensive. The VA cost on that wheelchair might be half. It might be, they might get a 50, 50% discount because they're so big, right? They get a big discount. If we were to buy that wheelchair, it might cost us 80,000, right? So we may, because we're a veterans a VSO and we're a nonprofit, we might get a 20 or 30% discount, right? So, so that veteran had his wheelchair and then he flew with the wheelchair and then the airline messed up the wheelchair. 
And then the airline's not fixing the problem because they don't, did we really? Because, you know, that was three weeks ago. And, and then the veteran has a TBI and he's trying to, you know, negotiate between the airlines and the VA and then they just get frustrated. And then that's not having a good VA advocate, right? Helping them maneuver through that frustration, right? And it just gets overwhelming for them. And so it's easier for them to just call us sometimes. And I get that. And I know, I mean, I've been doing this for, I've been doing this. Oh, I sounded super Texan just then. I've been doing this for, (laughs) girl, do not let me sound super Texan. I think it's adorable, but. (laughs) You're so cute. Uh, So I've been doing this for a hot minute. And so I know, you know, my, my radar is up a little bit more today than it was before. I had a veteran call me the other day and he just, he just heard that it took a long time for the VA to get, to get back to you. So he was just going to call us first. So eh, it's not exactly, exactly how this works. We only have like $150,000 in the bank and the VA has $150 billion in the bank. Call yeah. And like you said, like with your certain programs, you kind of prioritize people, which I think you have to do that. How is big question? We talked about this yesterday, but I want our listeners to hear it. How is fundraising going? Okay. So like everybody else, COVID kind of put a wrench in things. We were just, you know, we had found the groove. We'd found the sweet spot and COVID came along and, you know, everybody's broke nobody's doing this nobody's working fundraising just kind of tanked and even you know even our biggest supporters within the veteran community like vfws and american legion halls i mean we went from getting fifteen thousand dollar grants from the vfw to nope nothing we 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 have to keep our vfws alive we have to keep we've got to put all of our resources into just keeping our vfws doors open because a lot of them are closing their doors and if nobody's going out, nobody's drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's know? true. That's they lost big, their bar crowd, which was, their, which was their, bar their income. They're not having live music. They're not having dancing. They're not having people having events, but it's all revolves around that, that bar tab. You know, I mean, they pull in a lot of money and then their employees aren't making any money. So they lose their employees. So it's been that's been really stressful, you know, and the VFW has some other issues, you know, they've got the younger generation coming up and the older generation is dying, you know, our World War II heroes and the Korean War veterans and our, and our Vietnam veterans, and those are big VFW supporters. So we're having to, you know, kind of pull the younger guys into the VFW and say, it's a really good place for you to be. You've got a support system of older guys who've been there too. You know, you've got that peer-to-peer stuff. And we like to do our presentations at BFWs, American Legions, you know, sporting events. That's a big thing. You know, we, sporting events is good for us, really good for us because it showcases our organization to a lot of people that we would never get in front of. The VFW is a really good, it's a really good fit for us as well, but more so for the veteran, for especially the younger veterans, because they go, oh, oh, this VFW is close to my home. We, tr- of course, find one close to their house. Oh, 
look at how nice everybody is. Oh, and I can have a cocktail and whatever, you know, and they're treated really well. When we go there and do a wheelchair presentation at a VFW, do you think that veteran has to buy one drink for himself or no, he's the hero of the night, you know, and everybody wants to thank him for his service and talk to him and get a picture made with him and buy him a drink. We had one veteran say, can somebody else start drinking my drinks? I can't drink anymore. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> Everybody. And, and so they feel that camaraderie and that love, you know, and then they're like, oh, and it makes them want to go join. And a lot of times they do join their, their local VFW or American Legion because of that. But you have gotten some big donors though, right? You've had some yes. huge donations. I know you said one of them doubled. Tell us about those guys. Oh, so the Moody Foundation. We love the Moody Foundation. The Moody Foundation granted us $75,000 the first year I wrote a grant. And the second year during COVID, I was calling them and, you know, crying in my COVID tea. And he said, ask for double, mention COVID, tell us how you're, you know, tell us the story because I can't promise anything. You know, he was just somebody that knew somebody somewhere, you know, you can't really talk to the board or anything like that. He said, of course, I can't promise anything. I don't know what will happen. He says, but the story you're telling me is the story you need to tell to the people you're writing grants to, right? And I said, oh, well, that makes sense. He said, you know, if you've asked for 75000 from this organization, ask for one fifty. If you've asked for twenty five dollars over here before, ask for fifty and tell them why and just tell your story. And so I did. I doubled. I asked for 150 I told the story of COVID that not only, not only poor, poor us, it's not about us. The money goes straight into a wheelchair. It is wheelchairs for warriors. It is about poor, poor, our veterans and the list that I have on my whiteboard that I can see over here, you know, and they're being isolated. If you think they were sad and depressed before because they were in a wheelchair, think about how sad and depressed they are in a wheelchair and they can't go out. And they can't go to the VFWs and they can't go to the American Legions and they can't go to birthday parties. They're in a wheelchair. They're the vulnerable. They're the ones that are in the high risk category, right? And, you know, the reason that my phone number is on the website is because I don't ever want to be responsible. I don't ever want it on my conscience that I didn't talk to somebody who needed to talk. You know, girl can make, just make me cry. I talk, I talk a lot <laughs> to veterans. They talk a lot to me, right? We're on the phone a lot. They need somebody to talk to, somebody to listen. So, who's listening to me? Is anybody out there? You know that song, is anybody out there? And that's why my phone number is on the website is so that if they're stressed out and they're in distress, I'll talk to you. And I don't care who you are. If I'm on the phone with you and my phone rings and it says unknown number or it doesn't have a name on it, I will always say, I'm so sorry. I have to get this call. It could be one of our veterans. And I answer it. Sometimes it's, did you renew your mobile warranty? <laughs> did you yeah. know that your car's warranty is over? <laughs> That's and you're like, is that- I don't even have a car. But <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? Because <laughs> you're, like, you're yeah. in DC, right? Yeah, but I get yeah, that one as well. And I'm like, you know, are they calling get- you anyway? Yeah, it's like, oh um, I didn't pay my car payment or something, or it's a uh, Chase Auto. Yeah, I'm like, no, wrong girl. But yes, no, I girl. get that. 
Yeah. So, so a lot of times it's just somebody want me to renew my auto warranty and it's like, yeah, I haven't had that auto in a while, but anyway, I thought you were a veteran. So I'm going to hang up now. So anyway, some of our foundations really stepped up. And if it hadn't have been for that $150,000 grant, it would have been a, did have been a tough year. And I'd have to tell people no. And by the grace of God and the grace of these foundations and our corporate sponsors, and Sparity is a big corporate sponsor, we can typically just call in Sparity and say, hey, we need some money. And they're like, what do you need? Bayway Auto Group here is a local group. They did a fundraiser for us. They put it together in five weeks and raised 80 grand for us. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. I mean, you, you're a fundraiser, you know, that's, that's, that's huge. Huge. I mean, it's like, huge. well, who needs a Lincoln? Who needs a Chevy? What do y'all need? <laughs> y'all need to call Bayway, right? And, and it was, and it was great for them. It was great publicity for them, but the general manager there is a former army ranger guy. His name is Lincoln Stahl. And Lincoln was like, I love wheelchairs for warriors. I want to do a fundraiser for y'all. And that was because my dentist did a fundraiser for us. And Lincoln was at that fundraiser. And my dentist, within an hour, they raised $13,000 and bought a veteran a wheelchair like that. I mean, that's a lot too. During COVID, right? So Mm -hmm. where, so where some things fell through, other things came together. And so we had, we ended up having a really good year, but we did lose some corporate sponsors, but they're coming back, you know? So we're just, and I love on my, if you give me a dollar, I love on you. That's all. I mean, you know, a lot of dollars add up to a lot more dollars, right? Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And it's so nice to hear that people are doing fundraisers for you and, it's exciting to see what you can do with, you know, what you can do with those large amounts of money. How many people do you have on your waiting list currently? I think I have 10. Okay. That's significant though. It's um, significant. We have them in different processes, right? So we have, I think I have four or five chairs in progress. One, one, two, three are finished, completely finished, but they just have to be delivered. So they're still incomplete, right? Until they're, until the veteran has it, it's an incomplete. And then we have five that we still have to fly out to and do evaluations. And then we have two surprises. Oh, are we allowed? We're going to have to wait for that, huh? (laughs) Yes. For our listeners, though. What? what? For our listeners, though, I want to know where they can support you at financially. Okay, so there's... There's a, so many different ways, which is really cool. This is the thing that I just love about America and I love about entrepreneurs and I love about business is it, it so clever. Amazon is huge. Some people don't like Amazon's politics. I don't care. Don't make me know. Never mind. Right. Here's the thing. If you go to Amazon smiles or smile.amazon.com shop from there, instead of through regular Amazon, you can pick a nonprofit charity as your charity of choice, and Jeff Bezos will donate 0.005% of all of your purchases to Wheelchairs for Warriors. It doesn't come out of your pocket. They don't raise your money at all. It actually comes out of Amazon's profits. And we raised like $97 last month through that, but that's not that bad, except that then I saw Winded Warrior Project raise like $700,000 last year just by this. So that's the power in numbers, right? 
So if everybody was choosing wheelchairs for warriors as their nonprofit charity and shopping only through Amazon Smiles, huge. I mean, that's huge. We would never, ever, any veteran who called, we could say yes to, right? Okay. So the other thing is you can do Facebook fundraisers. Is it your birthday? You can do a fundraiser for Facebook for your birthday. You can do a fundraiser for Facebook any old time you want. You can also go on the website and donate any amount of money and you can join, you can do monthly donations of any amount. We do have a 22 a day program where you can donate $22, I mean, 22 a month. You can donate $22 a month. And that we started that in honor of Jacob McWhorter, who told us that had we not called him, he would have become a statistic. Oh, wow. We have a, yeah, he, and I didn't even know that. We had a videographer videotaping him and his story. And when we heard the story back, we were all like, like, it was, it was breathtaking, literally to hear him say that. And, and his story is one that the VA really, really let him down. He has, I'm going to try to say this. I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on Instagram sometimes, but it's mitochondria something or another. And he was exposed. He was one of the burn band or not burn band. Yeah. The burn pit guys. And he was exposed to all those chemicals and he comes home and, you know, everything is fine. And then, then he didn't feel well. And then his, then he gets out of bed and falls to the floor and one thing after another. So his connective tissue is deteriorating. And when we were doing his evaluation, his hip joint and his shoulder just popped out of place. Just pop, he said, stick out your arm. So Jacob sticks his arm out and his shoulder just popped out of joint. what's going on you know so can you imagine him trying to roll a wheelchair what's happening to him and his wheelchair needed needed to be repaired and the VA wasn't coming out because you know let's think about it I'm in a wheelchair and I don't know about wheelchairs and I'm brand new in a wheelchair and it's not moving it probably could be a bolt or a screw because it's just it's not one of the fancy chairs with the software system or the big mechanical issues it's just a manual wheelchair but I don't know what's wrong with it and the VA is like uh it's probably just I'm gonna have to send somebody out there you know so he may just be low man on the totem pole for getting someone out there to him so he figures it out himself you know he's a marine he starts figuring out himself and he figures out how to they call it wrenching wrenching on their own equipment and then the VA said well you've you've modified our equipment so you're no longer in our wheelchair program Oh, I know, but you weren't coming to my aid. Well, we can't get there as fast as you need us to. It's like, yeah, but I can't move. This is my, these are my, this wheelchair or my legs. You know, this wheelchair is my legs. However you say that. And so he was in a really desperate situation and just feeling like, okay, I don't know what to do. I can't move. And now I'm out of the program and so i'm not getting therapy and this guy's on 10 percent disability so he's not making any money so he's definitely not a priority at the va he's not a priority he's only got 10 percent disability and he's not i don't know i think his disability has gone up now because he's focused on it you know he finally got focused on it but yeah that was just a, a crazy story so we built him a lightweight 14 pound titanium wheelchair with the smart drive system. The other thing too, is that a lot of these wheelchairs are super heavy. 
these guys can't pick them up. If you've got a shattered left arm, I mean, you just can't lift those wheelchairs. So we're building titanium wheelchairs. Now the VA again does titanium wheelchairs. They do for a lot of veterans. They do a lot of really great things. And then other ones just get left behind. And that was one of our, that's our motto, you know, that no man left behind is no longer just a mantra for the battlefield, but also for the home field. And right. And so for Jacob, we built him a smart drive system and it looks like a handheld vacuum cleaner and it just sits on the back of his wheelchair. And it really just looks like, you know, one of those little handheld vacuums. It sits on the back of the wheelchair. It's got a little wheel on the back and he can maneuver it with a watch, with a Bluetooth watch. Oh, wow. No longer has to roll the chair with his and pop his shoulders out of joint. Oh, that is so cool. And this is the guy... This is the guy that was thanking you, right, for saving his life, is yeah. right? Yeah. So cool. It I mean, I so bet cool. his life, probably his whole entire life changed because of you guys. His life, his kids' lives, you know, his kids are not going to have to not have a father now, right? Because he was so depressed, he was going to kill himself. And he was going to become one of the statistics. There's another guy in Austin. We showed up to... Lee Talavera's house and Lee was in the army and Lee was supposed to Lee and another guy were supposed to be catching an empty vessel long tube like a gas tank or something for a jet or I don't know details anyway they were supposed to be catching the vessel this empty vessel and the vessel was full full of liquid and all of a sudden, there something's happening to them catching, you know, 8,000 pounds instead of 12 pounds. And his shoulders ripped away from his spine. No. It was like, <sighs> it was just like that. It was like every tendon and every everything just, and down he went. And he heard it all. And. Heidi met him at a veterans event while he, while his wife was trying to push his wheelchair through the mud and she's little, she's short and she's trying to push his wheelchair through the mud and they can't do it. And she's getting, you know, a little frustrated and, but she's just like, honey, I'm going to, I can do it. I can do it. And he's sad and frustrated because, you know, he's in the situation and yada, yada, yada. And so Heidi just goes over there and kind of helps along, you know? So she tells us the story. She's like me. She didn't, she didn't know to, what to look at at a wheelchair. You know, she didn't understand. But she said, she asked Lee a few pointed questions. And he says, yeah, I just can't get the VA to come out. And I can't get anything better than this. And she said, well, we're going to come out and see if we can do something better. So Paul and I drove up to Austin. It's about a four-hour drive for us. So we drove up to Austin. When we walked in, Paul was like, oh, he had the worst wheelchair. You could go to CVS pharmacy and buy it for $300. Hmm. Zero support. His cushion on that, it wasn't even a cushion. It was just a plain old seat. It's called an institutional wheelchair. It's the wheelchair that the hospital has to push you out of the hospital with after you've had a baby or after you've had surgery. It's just that institutional wheelchair you're going to be in for five minutes and then you're going to be out of it. No big deal, right? Right. That's what he was in. He was literally sitting on the frame of the chair. 
there was no, there was so much slack in the seat that the seat was touching the frame and he had a spinal injury. I just told you how he was injured. I just told you what it was. You think that was good for him? Hell no. He was sitting on a stack of multicolored bath towels, you know? That's heartbreaking. (laughs) Girl. And we are just sitting there looking at it in complete disbelief. I don't know that much about wheelchairs. And I knew, I knew that was nine shades of wrong. So we built him a wheelchair. How happy do you think that man is? His wife, we delivered his wheelchair at a, at a VFW event. Titanium, 14 pounds. His wheelchair was so heavy that the, the trunk of their car had dents and scratches on it from his little wife trying to lift this 54 pound wheelchair and just drag it into the back of, of the car and his kids, they've got four kids. There's, there's volleyball, there's basketball, there's softball, there's soccer, there's baseball. Do you, how many of those things do you think they drag him to? He sits at home in front of the TV and the family goes and enjoys their life. That's so depressing. Exactly. It's depressing to hear. Yeah. Much less to live. It is, it is downright depressing and it is a shame. And this is America. I'm sorry. Stop sending money overseas. We have a few problems right here that we need to address. And I've been told by, by many people in the VA and in the, and in the military and in, and in other places that it, that the VA is just too big. It, it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. And that, and that it will take veteran services organizations to meet all the needs of our veterans coming back from war. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. They should shut out some money to you, the VSOs though, as they see, as they see necessary, um, and, you know, because if they can't handle the, the flow, you know, through community care, through other means and I'm sure that you you know we you and I talked about doing some lobbying on working with the VA but we'll look into that but yeah definitely why not don't let them hear this podcast (laughs) oh no they they don't they don't have time to listen they're too big remember okay that's right they're so huge they're too big but no I mean why not if you have these like you know these nonprofits that are functioning well and doing the right Right. thing and the money's going to the right place and they're efficient and they people like you running them like why not you know fund these, these nonprofits instead of funding another arm of the VA that, you know, again, can't complete the mission to standard. So. Yep. It's, I'm a civilian, you know, and it is, I mean, it's shocking to me, but Heidi always gives me really good insight. And she said, you know, we're taught to make do with inadequate equipment, with stuff that's old, dated, falling apart. You just have to make do. The army's big. The government's big, you know? And I said, yeah, but I get that. And she said, and so that just trickles down to where Lee Talavera ends up sitting in a wheelchair on his frame on some, on some bath towels, you know, she goes, that's, 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 it goes all the way down to that level. Right. And, and I said, yeah, but damn, the VA's got a lot of money. We're talking billions. It's mismanaged. It is 100% mismanaged. And I was asked if I would take a government appointment, a presidential appointment to the VA. And I laughed. And I, I, I was laughing to the point of being rude. 
And I said, no, I'm going to work for them because I'm not talking about some low level position. I'm talking about a high ranking, you know, well-paying position. Why are you paying somebody at the VA that kind of money? That's a service. They're in the service industry. Why are they making 270, 300, half a million a year? No, ah, no, that's where the problems start, you know? And, and, and what are they doing? No, no, no. If you work for the government, you don't get to make that kind of money. That's my money. That's your money. And so there's problems. There's bigger problems than we're ever going to be able to fix in the VA. So it'll just always take private donations and VSOs, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I don't really see any other way out. I mean, I, you and I were talking about this yesterday. There's like a bill that they for an outrageous number that's going towards veteran suicides at the VA. And it's like, what are you spending this money on? Are these, is this like more phone calls to check on <laughs> veterans? Is it another hotline? Like, what about TBI therapy? What about wheelchairs? What about the, like the things that we can that's actually right. touch and put our hands on that would actually work on, you know, suicide. And so, yeah, I think I, I usually just really, I mean, I'm going to go line by line through that money and see where it's going, but I have a feeling it'll just piss me off, but that's it another conversation. Yeah. But I wanted to thank you for being here today. And as you know, um, it's we were taking a little break from all of our advocacy cases, which can get so heavy. And so it is, it is, even though this is a sad issue, it is such a happy issue because people like you are doing so much. And so I want to thank you for um, giving our listeners a breath of fresh air today. And I want to thank you for everything that you do for veterans. And is there any last minute thoughts that you have before I let you go? Well, I just, um, I really appreciate people like you letting us tell our story and especially letting us tell it to people who care, who want to listen, who are listening to podcasts like yours. And thank you for your service. I really appreciate it. You did that thing that a lot of people don't do and you signed up and you put your butt on the line and you signed a blank check. And I feel like it's our duty that when you sign that blank check, that it's our duty to sign it back to you as civilians, because you did the thing that we didn't do. I chickened out, you know what I'm saying? So I really appreciate everyone's service and, you know, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook. You can follow all the channels. We have wheelchairsforwarriors.org. You can email me from the website. You can call me from the website. You can write a check. You can give us your house, your firstborn child, if they're successful, you know, we'll take any, we'll take anything. But do not send your old wheelchairs. <laughs> do not, please don't send me your old wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put that out there. <laughs> hey, do you see this? Can you see this hookah in the background? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So that came from an Afghanistan veteran's father. He was killed in Afghanistan, and his father gave me this hookah over 20 years ago and said, I know that you will cherish it and take care of it. So I've been toting this real brass hookah around for a long time, and it always makes, and it's today, you know, making me a little bit sadder because of our our guys and our civilians in Afghanistan. So I do want everyone to pray for them. Yeah, definitely. It's been a rough week, so or two weeks now. Yeah, it really has been. All right. Well, thank you so much, and we look forward to hopefully having you back on again to hear your updates. Absolutely, and you and I'll talk soon because we've got some things to do. Yes, we do. I'll be in touch. Okay. Bye, honey. Bye.